with when he lived, and with how the questions and problems of his own time influenced the way he saw the world, the way he reflected on human dignity in light of the Incarnation, and finally, how he, as a Christian thinker, understood the human journey back to God. Scotus was first and foremost a Franciscan friar. We cannot ignore or overlook this point about his life because his Franciscan spirituality framed the way he understood the power of love and the superiority of love in the importance of human freedom as we respond to God with the love of friendship. Scotus was born in the little town of Duns, Scotland, we believe in the spring of 1266. As a very young man, he was sent to Oxford to be trained. He later taught in Oxford, was then sent to Paris, taught there, and finally was sent to Cologne, Germany, to head up the Franciscan school. Unfortunately, Scotus died quite quickly after he was sent to Cologne at the very young age of 42. We don't really know what were the causes of his early death, but it had a profound impact on the quality of his texts because his texts are very difficult to follow and to understand, for he never really had time in his life as a teacher to systematically reorganize his thought in such a way that we might be able to approach it as simply today as we're able to understand the thought of Thomas Aquinas through his Summa Theologica. Scotus is buried in the Franciscan Church, not far from the Cologne Cathedral, and many, many pilgrims travel there to visit the place where the great scholar lies. Scotus lived during the last quarter of the 13th century and the first decades of the 14th century. This was a very different time from that of the masters who lived and taught 50 years before him, namely Thomas Aquinas, the Dominican, and the Franciscan Bonaventure of Bagnoregio. For these men lived in the mid-century, a time when Aristotle's thought was being introduced and studied. Aristotle's logical texts had been in the West since the 5th century, so he was already known and already admired for the scientific rigor of his approach. Aristotle's metaphysics was introduced into the West in the 12th and early 13th century, but the introduction was piecemeal, so the West never received a complete version of any Aristotelian text, for the translators of the famous school of Toledo in Spain made portions available to Latin scholars and teachers. Other texts from Aristotle, such as his ethics and his politics, would only arrive during the 13th century. Because of the piecemeal arrival of Aristotle's texts, and because they were often complicated with Arab commentaries, it took time for the Latin thinkers to grasp what Aristotle was really doing in his texts. When I say Latin thinkers, I'm referring to those teachers and writers who used the Latin language to be able to communicate with one another across cultures. Indeed, there were three phases of the introduction and acceptance of Aristotelian thought. The first phase was one of initial and high interest. Here was a new philosophical and scientific voice. 
Here was a thinker of enormous prowess, a man who would simply be called the philosopher. The entrance of Aristotle was so exciting that Dominican Albert the Great, Aquinas's teacher, made it his task to, quote, make Aristotle available to scholars and students at the great universities of Paris, Oxford, and throughout Europe. Following Aristotle, Thomas Aquinas helped to integrate Aristotelian insights into mainstream thinking, often by nuancing the philosopher's arguments to fit with Christian revelation and Christian teaching. But the entrance of Aristotle's thought was by no means without incidents. Early on, there were several questions raised about this pagan philosopher who had an approach to what it means to be human. Did he really believe in human transcendence? Did he really...